All right, well, good evening. Great to be here. I'm thankful for this opportunity to uh, share with you from God's Word. Now, there was a couple songs that were sung tonight that really made me a confused little child when I was going to church. So, you know, the, the, the song, In the Garden. Because of that song, I thought God's name was Andy. Because it goes, Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me. So, and, and that's, you know, that's bad enough. But you know the Lord's Prayer? Because of the Lord's Prayer, I also thought God's name was Harold. Our Father, who art in heaven, Harold be thy name, thy king. So now the, the other song, um, Have a Little Talk with Jesus, I always thought that was an Easter song. I thought it was an Easter song because as a little kid, I thought it went, now let us have a little chocolate, Jesus, let us. You know, you always get a chocolate in your Easter basket, and I thought it was have a little chocolate, Jesus. Anyway, all right. Okay, I got the crowd warmed up. That's good. Uh, so let's, uh, let's have a quick word of prayer, and we'll jump right into the Word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything you've done for us and for everything that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, that we are a masterpiece in process. You are working on us, and you won't stop working on us. He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And Lord, that process of you working on us is not always fun. It's not always pleasant. It doesn't always feel good, but in the end, we know it's the best thing for us. So Lord, we thank you for your continual, persistent work in our heart, in our life, and in our mind. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we ask these things and give thanks in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to ask a question. You don't have to answer out loud, but think in your head. What do you consider precious? What do you consider precious? Now, the English definition of precious is of high cost or worth, highly esteemed, cherished, dear, beloved. Many are probably thinking that little baby back there, oh, that little baby is so precious, right? Precious. Or you might be thinking of your cat or your dog, how precious your cat or your dog is, you know? Uh, a lot of things you may be thinking uh, uh, that's precious. Maybe you're a Lord of the Rings fan and you're thinking, my precious. Right? Um, so precious, what do you think, it, you know, what do you consider is precious? Now, more specifically, I want to ask the question, what does the Bible deem as precious? Because what we think is precious may be irrelevant when compared to God's word and what the Bible deems as precious. So does the Bible deem precious maybe church? The Bible, salvation, the blood of Christ. Well, for sure, all these things are precious. But what does God's word say is precious? Now, that's a different story. And it may not be what you think. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Or if you have your phones, whichever. Your phones or your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7. It's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So it says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, 
You are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Wait, wait, what? Hang on, let me read that again. Wherein you greatly rejoice. Okay, I get the rejoicing part. Though now for a season, okay, there's going to be a short time, if need be, okay, I'm kind of worried about that need be part. If need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Okay, Peter, I'm not getting you. This does not sound fun. I'm not sure if you're hearing from God or not. This don't sound right. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. How many of you right now wants to be in heaviness through manifold temptations? Let me see your hands. Are you sure? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to be lifting my hand either. It's not like I'm saying, Lord... Please, in your goodness, send me heaviness through manifold temptations. Oh, Lord, I'd be so appreciative of that. But that's kind of what Peter's getting at here. And it's blowing my mind because it don't make a lot of sense to me, and I'm almost afraid of it. Verse 7 says that the trial of your faith, the trial of your faith being more precious. Ah, there's our key word tonight. There's our key word tonight. The trial of your faith being more precious than gold. More precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, fair warning, you might hear me slip up and say Yeshua the Messiah because I'm Jewish, right? So I call him by his Hebrew name. So don't think I'm calling out on any other deity, Yeshua is Jesus' Hebrew name. So if I say Yeshua Messiah, you know I'm saying Jesus Christ. Sometimes it'll come out and slip out that way. So, basically, your troubles, your trials, your tribulations are sent by God. I know you don't want to hear that. I know that's not a popular message, but your troubles, your trials, and your tribulations are sent by God and are deemed precious they are deemed precious now let's go back to verse 6 and if, if need be the Lord is examining your life and he's deciding if it need be that you need to be tried if need be you need to be in manifold uh, what does it say here through heaviness and manifold temptations if need be so sometimes the Lord deems it necessary to allow trials and troubles and tribulations to come into your life. Gee, thanks God, right? <laughs> doesn't sound great, doesn't sound fun, right? But if need be, your troubles, trials, and tribulations are sent by God and are deemed precious. In fact, more precious than gold. Now, I looked up what a one ounce, 24 karat gold bar is worth today. And on average, a one ounce, 24 karat bar of gold is $3,000. I can pay off some debt with $3,000. So a gold bar worth $3,000 is precious and it becomes more precious year by year because there's not as much gold this year as there was last year. You can only mine so much of it before it'll eventually run out, right? So it gets more precious. Now, gold melts. Gold melts at 1,064 degrees Fahrenheit. 1,064 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, 
Gold can survive an average house fire because an average house fire may burn at about mm, 600 degrees Fahrenheit. So my question was at this point, what does Peter mean about gold perishing? Because to me it seems gold is virtually indestructible. Well, the answer is found in his second letter in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements, including gold, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now, in this verse, in the Greek, the word melt means to dissolve or to break down. And that's what heavy heat does to anything. It, it, it dissolves it. When you dissolve something, it turns into nothingness. And uh, at, at least it'll break down into its basic forms and elements. Now, the word burned up means to be consumed by fire. Like you throw a log in the fire, it's consumed, it's burnt up in the fire. Now, gold will evaporate in the over 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit surface of the sun. Not to mention the 27 million degrees Fahrenheit core. So gold will, it, you, it, it seems indestructible, but it is able to perish. It is able to dissolve, to be burnt up. So we can understand what Peter's saying here a little bit better. Now gold becomes more pure when melted in fire because either the impurities itself burns up or the impurities rise to the surface once gold reaches a liquid point. It's melted to, the, to a, a liquid point. And who, who's ever refining the gold can skim off all of the impurities that rise to the surface, and thus the gold becomes more pure. Now, has anybody ever seen a piece of gold so pure that you can see through it like a window? I haven't. But for us believers, one day we will. Because it says in Revelation 21, 21b, and the gold of the city was pure gold as if it were transparent glass. I can't imagine that. Gold so pure and streets of gold so pure, you can see through it. That's pretty amazing. Now I want to read to you uh, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 again, and we're going to dig in to the particular words of this verse. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you were in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith, being more precious than gold, that perishes, though tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yeshua Messiah, Christ Jesus. So the word rejoice means to exult with exceeding joy. To exult with exceeding joy. So it sounds to me like Peter's saying, whenever you have a trouble or a trial or a tribulation come into your life, we should be like, Now, how many of you have done that when a trial has come into your life? I don't think I've ever done that. I'm usually like the, the, like the old guys on Hee Haw. Oh, gloom, despair, agony on me. Whoa, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. And I'm like, Lord, why are you bringing this trial on my life? I love you. I serve you with all my heart. Oh, why is this happening to me? 
That's the way we usually treat trials. We don't look at them with exulting, exceeding joy. That takes some practice, but I have witnessed one guy who was able to do that. At the Free Will Baptist Bible College in Nashville, Tennessee, now called Welsh College, and they've changed locations, some guys from Nashville would cruise into our campus just to make fun of us. And there were a couple guys walking down the sidewalk, and they got egged. They rolled down the window and started egging these guys. And one of the guys said, whoa, praise the Lord. And the other guy with him said, what the, we're just getting egged. What are you doing? He says, we're supposed to take uh, joy in our trials and tribulations and being persecuted. He took that verse literally. And, you know, I mean, he's a better man than I am. I've never been able to do that yet. So it says rejoice, which is to exult with exceeding joy. Now, James 1, 2 says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or diverse trials. That is hard to do. I mean, some stuff in the Bible is easy. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, I've never jumped in bed with another woman. You know, I'm a one-woman man. That's kind of been easy for me. You know, thou shalt not steal. I haven't stole since I was a little kid. You know, some stuff is easy. But here, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, diverse tri trials, or rejoice. That's hard to do. That's, that's a hard scripture to live up to. And then the word, it says, if but for a season. Now, this Greek word season means a small, little, short time. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm in the middle of a trial, a trouble, a tribulation, it just seems like it's drawn out forever. Like every second seems like an hour. It doesn't seem like it's a short period of time. But even if you go through a trial for years, that is still a short amount of time compared with eternity. As the scripture says, a day to the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. So a thousand years is just a snap of the finger compared to eternity. So no matter what trial or trouble or tribulation you go through, if it's a day, a week, a month, years, it's still short compared to eternity. So a season means a short, uh, a small, little amount of time. And then the word heaviness means sorrow and grief. And that's never fun. Sorrow and grief. Manifold, where manifold temptations. Manifold, it's not talking about the thing on a car. Manifold means various, diverse, or different types. Because, I mean, if you've been through a trouble, trial, or tribulation, they're, they're as different as snowflakes. You're not going to go through a trial or temptation that's rarely the same. And if it's the same, it's still going to be different in some way. And the word temptations is actually maybe better translated as trials. You're being tried. You're being tested. Now, verse 7 has the word trial, and it means testing, trying, or proving. So I don't know if they had this in Canada, because I'm from the States, but they had what was called kicks cereal. And they'd always say, kid tested, mother approved. Right? It was tested by kids, and it was approved by mothers. It was a great cereal. And Canadian Tire, they always advertise these, these products that says they've been tested. In other words, somebody has taken them, and they've run them through the ringer to prove that they're a good product. And so that's what happens to us when we're being tried, when we're being tested. We're being proven. And that word precious, that word precious in the Greek means a great price, of great price, esteemed, honored, dear, 
and reputable. If the Lord is allowing a trial or a tribulation to come into your life, he considers it something, he, he, he considers it a gift. Isn't that strange? No thanks, God. You can keep that gift to yourself. It's kind of like, have anybody ever been to a massage therapist? Okay, that feels pretty good, but I'm talking about a deep tissue massage therapist. Woo! I mean, there's this girl, her name is Kenzie Lewis, and she's in Perth working with uh, Haley Everett. I mean, that girl, she, I'm a preacher, and she almost makes me swear. I mean, she'll just be digging her in there, and I'll be like, oh, you know, like, God, bless America. Oh, you know, and she'll be like, She'll be like, do you want me to stop? And I'm like, no, no, just keep going. And it hurts, but I'm telling her to dig in. And I'm telling her to keep going. Why? Am I crazy? Am I, am, I, am I a glutton for punishment? Am I a masochist? Do I enjoy pain? Why do I tell her to keep going? Because I know it's good for me. I know at the end of it, it's going to be worth it. The after effects is going to be way, worth way more than the current pain I'm experiencing when she's digging and grinding and I just want to slug her. Yeah. Right? So, but it's precious. Precious, of great price, esteemed, honored, dear, and reputable. And the word tried in verse 7 means scrutinized. Scrutinized. So verses 6 and 7 of uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 speaks of the refining process of gold by fire and how it parallels our purification in the Lord spiritually. Now cremated remains of an average human being weighs about 5 pounds. So I looked that up in ounces and that turns to be 80 ounces. So if one ounce of pure gold is worth $3,000 then five pounds or 80 ounces of gold representing cremated human remains is worth $240,000. $240,000. I could pay off my debt with that. I can also have a nice nest egg for retirement with that. So that gold to me would be precious. But what I'm saying here is, is our trials are more precious and worth more than 80 ounces of gold, than $240,000 worth of gold bars. We need to change, we need to reframe. You know what I mean by reframing? It's kind of a buzzword in today's popular culture. It means looking at things from a different viewpoint or a different angle. Instead of looking at your trials as if God is kicking you when you're down, or, oh, the devil's attacking me. Well, you're a believer. What would you expect? But you know what? God is permitting the devil to attack you, but the devil is on a very short leash. And sometimes the devil only does so much to us that we allow him to do. But our trials are more precious and worth more than 80 ounces of gold. You know, I almost feel like a hypocrite preaching this message. And I know there's some preachers, well, I don't preach anything in the Word that I don't live myself. Well, I don't. Because there's a lot in this Word that I can't live up to, a lot in this Word that I don't do, that I'm working on. But because it's in the Word of God, and because He's called me to preach, I'm obligated to preach it whether I'm living it or not. So even making this sermon out, I'm feeling like crap because I'm like, Lord, I don't do that. 
I don't praise you when trials come. I want to throw a pity party and get everybody else involved and pat me on the back and let, let me lend, lend their shoulder for me to cry on and tell me everything's going to be okay and give me a little lollipop or something. You know, I, I need to start living this myself. As I'm up here, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. Because as I studied this out this week, the Lord was convicting me and says, Buddy, this is going to be a great sermon for everybody to hear, but you need to live up to it yourself. We need to start looking at our trials, our troubles, and our tribulations as gold bars. That God is giving us gold. That God is giving us a gift of, that's better than pure gold. He considers our trials precious. More precious than a kitten. More precious than a baby. More precious than a gold bar is our troubles, trials, and tribulations to God. And we need to deem them as such as well. Because if we do, that's going to help us as we're going through our trial. Now, I remember when I first started working out, I hated it. I hated it. I thought that I was torturing myself. You know, I'm just sitting here and, and my muscles are hurting and burning and aching. And, you know, the stupid guy on the, on the DVD or TV that's telling me, oh, just say eight more reps, eight more reps. Well, shut up, Billy Blanks. You're a liar. You said eight more reps last time and you said that was the last one, right? And I'm just ready to drop dead. But once I started seeing the results of that workout, it was worth it. All that pain, all that hatred of it at first, and then I started craving it. I wanted to feel that hurt, that burn, that ache, that pain in my muscles. Because I know the end result is my muscles are going to get bigger. I'm going to get stronger. Now, there's a fitness guru, uh, Julian Michaels, and she always says, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you know what? If we're believers, we should get comfortable with being uncomfortable because guess what? This world, this current world is not our home. We should feel very uncomfortable here. And that uncomfortability should drive us to serve God more, to serve God better, to take joy in our trials and troubles and tribulations. Now, imagine this. Imagine God comes down and he says, oh, my precious child. Oh, my precious son, my precious daughter. I'm, I'm going to pick on Callaway. Oh, my son Callaway. I love you so much and you're growing and, and you're doing so well and you're growing to me. I wanted to give you this little gift. And God hands Callaway this box. He's excited like it's Christmas Day. He opens it up and he's like, ah, uh. It's not what he wanted. It's troubles. It's trials. It's tribulations. Uh, God, what, what store can I go to to return this? Right? You know, like when you get a gift you don't want at Christmas time, you, you, you find out where they got it so you could return it, at least get something you want. Could you imagine God giving you a gift and you throwing it back in his face and saying, no, thanks, God, I don't want it. Well, how do you think God feels when he allows and permits and gives you the gift? Yes, I said the gift of troubles, trials, and tribulations. Because to him, it's more precious than gold. And you throw that back in his face and say, no thanks, God. What that's telling God, and that's what's telling the world, is you know what? I'm just, I'm, I'm good enough to be a Christian in name only. You know, just don't give me this trouble, trial, and tribulation stuff. You know, after all, I'm just waiting to get raptured out of this place before it gets too bad. Right? You know, that's, that's the hope. Well, uh, uh, I'm going to get raptured before it gets too bad. Well, where's the promise in that? 
How come the Lord hasn't raptured our brothers and sisters in China, our brothers and sisters in North Korea, our brothers and sisters in Israel who are being slaughtered as we speak because of this terrorist attack? Right? So we are promised troubles, trials, and tribulations, but it's only for a season. It's only for a short time. It may be for 70, 80 years at most, but what's that compared to eternity? And when gold is tested, like if gold was, 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 had human characteristics, if gold could feel, taste, touch, or smell, what do you think it would be saying in the fire of, of refinement? You'd be thinking, oh, this is a nice little jacuzzi hot tub that I'm in right here. Ah, this feels so good. No, that gold would be going, ah! That's what that gold would be saying. Because fire, I don't know if you know this or not, but fire hurts, it burns. And when fire, and when this gold reaches the melting point, it just and dissolves and all the impurities rise to the surface. It's painful, but there's a purpose in the pain. Just as the weightlifters say, no pain, no gain. Now, Zechariah 3, 9, or 13, 9 says, I will try them as gold is tried. And they shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people. And they shall say, the Lord is my God. Proverbs 17.3 says, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tries the hearts. Job, oh, talk about trial and tribulation. Read the book of Job. He went through troubles and trials and tribulations for, for years. And Job 23.10 says, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God loves us so much that he refuses to allow us to remain impure. He loves us so much that he's going to toss us into the refining fire so that he can purge those impurities from us and we'll become to him like pure gold. That's why he deems our trials, our troubles, our tribulations as more precious than gold. So again, troubles, trials, and tribulations are necessary, permitted, and sent by God for our refinement and purification. Now, a lot of times when we're going through troubles and trials and tribulations, it may just seem weird, wonky, odd. But Peter tackles this. He deals with this. In 1 Peter 4.12, he says, Beloved, think it not strange. Now, this Hebrew word, this Greek word strange means to be in shock, to be astonished and bewildered. And the way the Greek kind of gives the implication, it's like if you go into your house and all of a sudden there's a stranger squatting in your house. You're like, wait, did I come through the wrong door? What, what, what do you do? Who are you and what are you doing here? That's kind of what the Greek word implies. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. There's that refining fire there. The fiery trial, which is to try, in other words, to test you, to prove you, just like they do with products at Canadian Tire, which is to try you as though some strange thing is happening to you. We should get used to these troubles, trials, and tribulations and not think that they're strange, but actually that they become familiar and welcomed friends. Verse 13 of 1 Peter 4 says, But rejoice! 
This is so odd. Here it is. The word rejoice, to, 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 be, uh, to greet cheerfully. That's what Peter's saying here in verse 13. But rejoice, greet cheerfully. He's telling us when a trial, trouble, or tribulation comes our way to greet it cheerfully. Welcome, welcome, as a guy at Harvest House used to say on the Tobik. Welcome, welcome. Come right on in. Well, I am so glad you're here, trouble, trial, and tribulation. How long are you staying this time? A few days, a week? Well, come on, let me make you a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, whatever you prefer. Let's talk. Let's spend some time together. We should, we should make trials our friends because you know what? If we let trials, troubles, and tribulations hang out with us long enough, you know what happens to them? Just like a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, you know, this little hairy worm crawling around eating leaves, and it turns into a butterfly. Something beautiful, right? Our trials, if they hang around long enough, and we treat them right, and we greet them, and we're joyful when they're there, they can actually turn into blessings. Isn't there a southern gospel song that says that? That the Lord's going to make these trials a blessing, though it sends me to my knees, right? And then it says, but rejoice to greet cheerfully inasmuch as you are partakers in Christ's suffering. So, why is trials so precious? We already established that God deems the, our, the trial of our faith as precious, more precious than gold. But why? Well, in James's letter, in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Patience. We can all use a little bit of patience. I know I can. I'm not a very patient guy a lot of the times. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, wasn't there a wrestler who called himself the total package? Which wrestler was that? Can you remember? Lex Luger, the, the total package. And thank God Lex Luger got saved. He's a brother in Christ now. But the total package, basically what James is saying is if we allow these troubles and trials and tribulations to, to do their full and complete work and not kick them out before time because you're tired of them hanging around because it's too painful and it hurts, if you allow it, then you become the total package spiritually. You become complete, needing nothing. Now, isn't that worth a season, a short time of trials? I should hope so. Wow, I haven't preached as long as Aaron yet, so I, I still got a little bit of time. I promise I'll have you out of here before 11 o'clock, I promise you. <laughs> so we know that God considers precious the trials that he sends us, right? Do you know what else the Bible and God deems as precious? In Psalm 116 verse 15 says, precious. In the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Seems a little <laughs> morbid from an earthly human standpoint. It's like you have a martyr that's being killed in North Korea for the cause of Christ, and it's as if the Lord's going, oh, oh. Like, you know, like you would do that with a little baby. You see a little baby, you're like, oh, 
so cute. The Lord is looking at the death of his saints as, oh, he deems it as precious. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And this word precious means valuable, prized, highly valued. And this word death is not just, oh, I'm sick and I'm going to pass away. <coughs> oh, I'm expiring, Lord. No, it's not that kind of death. This word death in the Hebrew means a violent death. So basically, we're talking about a martyrdom here. We're talking about like, you know, Bartholomew being flayed alive. We're talking about Paul being, getting his head chopped off, Peter getting crucified upside down. The Lord deemed that as precious in his sight. Valuable, prized, highly valued is the martyrdom of his saints. And the word saints in Hebrew is chassid. You might be familiar with that word if you ran in Jewish circles because a righteous Jew is called a chassid. There's a whole group, a whole movement called the Hasidim, which means that they're that they pious, they're godly, they're holy, they're faithful. And that's what the Hebrew word Hasid means. And this is the word that's translated as saint. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, I know none of us here are saying, you know, the Lord's like, it's kind of like welcome back Cotter, right? And you're in the classroom and the Lord is Mr. Cotter and he says, uh, how many wants uh, troubles and trials and tribulations? You're not going to be Horshack going, ooh, 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 me, me, right? <laughs> well, it's the same with this verse. How many, if the Lord says, um, can I have any volunteers uh, to die a violent death? <laughs> There's not many of us that are going to go, ooh, ooh, me, me, please pick me, ooh. But it's, but it's as precious in the sight of the Lord as the death of his saints. God's economy is not the world's economy. God doesn't see things the way that the world sees. The Lord says if we lose, we gain. Oh, uh, that doesn't work well on Wall Street. How many have lost on Wall Street and really gained? Nobody. It doesn't make sense to our human uh, mind because God's economy is different than human economy. If we lose our life, we'll save it, right? If we lose, we gain. It, it doesn't make sense to our human mind. So, do you consider trials precious or do you re reject such a golden gift and ask God to take it from you? Have you ever given somebody something and you thought that they would really like it, but the look on their face, you could tell that they're not crazy about it and maybe they might be bold enough to give it back to you? How does that make you feel? Probably pretty rotten. Probably makes you feel pretty bad. It hurt your feelings because you took the time and the money to search out something you thought that this person would like and enjoy. And here they just give it no thanks. And they throw it back in your face. Now, God created us, right? We have feelings, right? So if we have feelings, then God must have feelings. He does have feelings. You can grieve God. You know, God can... can you know, it, it, it grieves his heart. So what do you think happens when you have a trial? And like, oh, God, take this trial away from me. But, but, but child, you don't understand. No, 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 God, please, please, I can't take it anymore. Please take it away from me. No, 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 please give it a little time. Please, please, I promise it'll be worth it. No, 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 Lord, take it away. Give it back. I want to give it back. But you don't understand this trial is my gift to you. It's to make you better. And some of us have different trials. 
Some of us may be struggling with addictions as our trials. Maybe trauma from our childhood as trials. Maybe we're having financial troubles or employment issues or whatever the case may be. Are we welcoming them as God's gift to us to improve us, to make us better because he's, he knows what's best for us? It's kind of like the whole childhood thing when your parents are making you eat stuff you don't want to eat. They know it's good for you. You think it's yucky, you hate it, but, you know, it ends up being good for you. And now as an adult, I'm eating all that stuff. You know, I, I, I just turned 50 this year, but I already think that I'm a senior citizen. Because guess what I like to order at restaurants if I can? I order from the seniors menu and I order liver and onions. Yeah, that's a senior moment, right? And uh, another, another thing that I discovered that I'm, I'm kind of getting in that senior realm is I like to sit on the porch and watch the birds. I feed the birds. I used to think just old ladies do that, but I love it, man. I'm getting into it. I'm just sitting down there just watching the birds, and I'm just like, Lord, this is awesome. Thank and I've actually bought a bird book, and if I say, ooh, which one's that? You know, it's kind of fun. So now that I'm reaching 50, I think, okay, I, I'm, I'm getting old because I'm starting to like old people things, right? And I, and I can't stand the TV on hardly that much anymore. What's that rocket net, you know, filth? You turn that off. I just like it quiet my house, right? So I can tell them I'm getting old. Anyway. So I challenge you. I challenge you, the next time you run into a trouble, trial, and tribulation, instead of whining and moaning and belly aching and asking God to take it away, just say, wait, okay, God, this is your gift. This is your gift to me. Let it have its perfect work. Let it stay as long as you want it to stay and help me to have a good attitude in that process because I want to be refined. I want all the ickiness and yuckiness to be purged out of my life, and I want to be that pure gold for you. Because once we go through a trial and a trouble and a tribulation, it's like <coughs> fill in the blank 2.0. It's like Callaway 2.0, Deb 2.0, James 2.0. We're better for it. Let's pray. Lord, <laughs> I'm praying this as much for myself as I'm praying this for everybody that's listening. Because I have such a hard time with this. I'm not volunteering for troubles and trials and tribulations, but if you seem it necessary, and if need be, as it says in Peter, then Lord, help me to greet it cheerfully. Help us to greet it cheerfully and welcome it because we know it is good for us. We know that it is the best thing for us because we know that it's going to draw us closer to you and conform us more into the image of Messiah Yeshua himself. And it'll help us to develop the mind of Christ as we're told to have. So Lord, help us to cherish these refining moments, these times of refining, because we know after the refining will become a time of refreshing and it'll be so worth it in the end. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.